I want you to turn in the psalm today, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I have two points to this message, so all of you who look at the hermeneutics of it and all the proper design and you're supposed to have three points. I said to the staff, I only have two points in my message this week, and Dave said, Pastor, you'll have 20 or something like that. There'll be many points, and it's true. <laughs> Students, one of the, or graduates, one of the greatest treasures you'll ever have is parents and leaders who have invested in your life. And we're in a world where Satan, Christ himself pointed to him, and he, he was in the subject of it, I mentioned the other night, in the subject of it, and Christ was saying about the enemy, he comes not but to steal and kill and to destroy. And in that context of that scripture, you'll find that he was in reference not only to Satan, but who Satan inspired, and it was false teachers. And I want you to know in the last days they will abound, that's, that's why the Word of God is so important. It's eternal. I'm going to read some verses of Scripture, and I'm going to take time this morning to do this because it, I want us to catch it in, in its weightiness. Psalm 19, just please understand, the first six verses are about the works of God. The verses 7 through 11 are about the words of God. So I want to give you the, about the works of God. Listen to eternal truth. In spite of what our world thinks today, here's the writing of the inspiration of the Spirit of God. A Psalm of David, he declares, the heavens declare, that means it has a voice. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out all through the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising, meaning that of the sun, is from one end of heaven and its circuit is to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. That, or the, that is the works of God. It has a voice. We don't hear it with our ears, but we hear it in creation. And God wrote through again in Romans, the Apostle Paul, when he said, the things of God are known and heard and are witnessed by the things we see. It all speaks of God and his works. But... God spoke his word. Listen, verse 7 begins about God's word. The law of the Lord, young people, is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and it makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, and they'll always be right. Say amen. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens all of your thoughts and your senses and everything that you understand, your eyes. 
Watch this. The fear of the Lord is clean. This is not a fear of destruction. It's a reverential awe, an absolute respect of all the creator's done. The fear of the Lord is clean. It means a dignity in how I live, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, because of all this, by them, God's word and God's works, by them, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, these words, remembering these works, there is great reward. Then it, it gives us a prayer. It's a prayer for the frailty of humanity. Listen to the prayer. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults or my secret sins. Listen, David is praying, and there's a twofold meaning here. David is praying about sins that are secret no one knows about but him, and he's saying, God, forgive me for those. But the other side of this truth is this. God, forgive me if I have sinned and not know it and caused a brother or sister to fall. How many of you know that you can mean well and be misunderstood? And, and I think in the ministry, it's a tr especially something that we wrestle with. We desire to help so badly and sometimes we're misunderstood. Paul, uh, David is praying about those secret presumptuous sins. Keep me back from your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them, these sins, not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. <laughs> Go all the way over to the little postage stamp book of Jude. And he said, now unto him who is able to keep us and present us faultless before the Lord. How many of you know there's none of us blameless, but we're, we are going to be considered so because of the blood of Christ. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. So here's the re resolve. Let the words of my mouth, let the words of my mouth, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Doesn't matter whether we're understood or misunderstood. Ladies and gentlemen, we pray this prayer of sanctification, obedience, humility, submission to the will of God. May it be acceptable to you in your sight. Oh Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. Ladies and gentlemen, that's holy ground. One other verse of Scripture all the way in 2 Corinthians. Paul gives instructions. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are of the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, you do, not, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you're disqualified. I want to talk to you today about a subject, a couple of things that's important. First, I want to say again, congratulations to graduates. I'm going to speak primarily to them today, but if you're here and you're online, I want you to place this for your benefit also. I want to say congratulations to 2021 class. I want to congratulate you on your, your accomplishments. I also pray that God will guide you and bless you as I did a moment ago. You mean more than you realize to parents, grandparents, teachers, school, pastors. You mean more than you can imagine. 
Isn't it so, teachers? Isn't it so, parents? A few days ago, I was eating lunch, and uh, I watched across the street from a restaurant. There was a, a place of business, and a man and a young boy was there to mow the yard. I watched the dad, and I'm guessing this young boy, about seven or eight years old from his size, they began to mow the grass with a push mower. And the boy, desiring to mow, kept his hands on the mower all the time. Brought back a lot of memories for me. He kept holding that handle. I watched the dad as he mowed close to the road and the perimeter and all that, the difficult part and in a sense the dangerous part. And finally, he turned loose of the handle and let the boy have it. That young man mowed for a little bit and suddenly he's mowing right here and all of a sudden he came to a flower bed that was about 40 feet long and he just froze. Oh, oh, something unplanned. All of a sudden, something I haven't done before, just, just paralyzed. So dad got his attention, motioning, turn sideways, go around it. And he just froze. He couldn't, couldn't get away from the fear. So dad came up. He intended to take the mower and mow and make the turn for him, but the boy clung to it. And you can almost see this, this, this help and this aggravation. Listen, it's a tough job to be a parent. This boy wouldn't let it turn, so he just... Picked up on that, about halfway picked this boy up with the lawnmower and turned it around, and he mowed a rim around the flower bed, and then he turned it loose again. I, I thought, wow. I, the, the wisdom with the dad, with the boy. But no sooner did they get around that fire bed, that boy wanted to push his dad's hands off again. I admired the dad, I admired the boy. I could just sit and think about thoughts that were going through their minds. Inside, I laughed. I thought, yeah, young man, you don't know it, but five or six, seven years from now, you won't want to touch that thing. And dad will have to make you. And I think dad should make you. Because life is not made up of everything you want to do. Life's made up of a lot of things you don't want to do. It's a picture of life. When we are babies, about 99% of everything is done for us. You, listen, don't, I don't think you ought to ever raise your voice against your mom. Do you know how many times that woman has, <laughs> she has sacrificed her comfort for yours? I don't think you ought to raise your voice against your dad. You say, well, pastor, you don't know my mom and dad. I know, but I want to tell you something. You got here somehow. <laughs> when we get older, you, you, we start to crawl. And we start to gibber. And then we, from a crawl, we go to a walk. And then eventually we go to a run. And from a gibber to a, to a talk. And then even sing, we, we watch you progress. 
And as parents and pastors and teachers and grandparents, we help. And we watch you. you we no more and get you started. The very, the very nature you have is to start pushing our hands off the handles. And, and when you do that, there's a cross pull in us. We, we want to let you have the handle, but we don't want to let you have the handle. How many parents identify with that? It, it, is, it is such a straight, and I watch that in such vivid form. We're, we're thrilled at your progress, but we, we don't know what you're going to do with it and how well you're going to cope, and we feel like if we can just help you a little bit more, maybe you won't get a toe cut off. <laughs> The boy finished mowing the yard. I watched him. He, he walked over toward the building. He was hot and sweaty. He opened the door. He, he took his T-shirt and, and uh, wiped his brow and looked up and headed for the Coke machine. And you'd think he was worth $10 million. He had just got the yard mowed. And I want you to feel that way about graduation. You've accomplished something. Today we honor you. We are happy, but I just want to tell you we're also a little unsettled because we've invested in you and trained you and taught you and loved you and tried to push you in the right directions, but the time's coming when you're going to have to make your own decisions. And one of the greatest things that a parent can do is teach a child how to make decisions. We've worked and loved and cared and taught and provided and watched. Done everything we can to get you ready to fly. Yet once you do, we're proud, we're also hopeful that you won't forget who got you where you are. Say amen, parents. Today, two things, I'll be through. I want to talk to you about the word truth. Years ago, Back in probably the 1700s, 1800s, there was a deal in the, uh, an ad in the paper for years. It was called Dear Abby. And the reason I said that is because everybody thinks I'm that old. How many of you remember Dear Abby? Come on, help me. Thank you. <laughs> Not a graduate, raise their hand. <laughs> there was a story in a newspaper article where a lady used to be a psychologist. They would write in all their problems. She'd write the answer and they published it in a paper called Dear Abby. And you know what? She was a pretty savvy gal. This, this powerful story, a young man from a very affluent family was about to graduate. It was about a week away, graduating from high school. The custom of that family, because they were pretty affluent, the parents would buy the high school graduate a new car. I'm sorry, parents, I have to say this. By the way, I didn't buy my sons a new car when they graduated. <laughs> but the boy and the dad go shopping and they spent weeks visiting the dealership, and just a, a week before the graduation, they found the perfect car. And to me, that's the perfect car. <laughs> the son was elated. He was just absolutely hardly able to keep his feet on the ground. Certain. Perfect car. Wow, what's this going to be? I'm going to drive it away. And, and on graduation night, he came with all the anticipation of driving that car on graduation night. 
On that evening, however, the father walked in and handed his son a package, wrapped beautifully. And he said to his son, this is the most valuable gift that I could ever think of. And the son opened it, and it was a Bible. And immediately he grew angry. He was filled with major disappointment, and he actually threw the Bible down. Stormed out of the home. Didn't come back for years. He let bitterness and, un and expectations totally direct his life. Several years passed. His father's death brought him back home again. And following his dad's funeral service, that evening he went to his dad's house in his office. He was all alone. He started going through all the possessions that his dad had, things that would be his inheritance. And you guessed it, he came across that Bible that dad gave him many, many years before. Overcame by grief and regret, he brushed away the dust off the Bible, cracked it open, and from it to the floor fell a cashier's check dated the night of his graduation for the exact amount of the car. The gift had been there all the time. He had turned it away because of emotion, because of life not going right, because of expectations. Be careful, young people, about what you let Satan do with your feelings. Come on, parents, say amen. Graduates, I want to tell you something. That gift that said everything about love in the sense of the world was in that Bible, but everything that your Creator says about you is in this book. This book is the most valuable object on earth. This book teaches us how to live with all the pressures, all the problems, all the perplexities. It tells us how to make decisions. And I want to declare to you this book is absolute and eternal truth. I do not care what professors say today. There are absolute truths. This is it. Years ago, I read biographies of ministers in all different denominations. I ran across one. I pulled it. I want to give this to you. This gentleman was called R.G. Lee. He preached a message decades and decades ago. It was titled, A Charge to Keep. Listen to what he said. He said, the word is wonderful. It is wonderful in its inspiration. It is wonderful in its unification. It is wonderful in its translation. It is wonderful in its preservation. It is wonderful in our salvation. It is wonderful in sanctification. It is wonderful in consummation of salvation. Listen to what he said about the word. It said, it attracts simple minds and confounds the deepest thinkers. It is always up to date and meets today's needs. It is so complete in its coverage of all human conditions. Recognize its divine authority and bow to it. Own its glorious supremacy and obey it. Confess its blessed sufficiency and rejoice in it. Cling to its holy integrity and testify to it. 
Cherish its precious truths and feed on it. Know its blessed truth and walk in the light of it. He went on to say the only way we can learn to survive and meet the demands of this day is to learn how to live in the Word. And he asked the question, I want to know what you think about this book. When you look at it, it's not an expensive piece of china that we put away and not touch it and handle it with caution. We don't write fragile, do not break on it. This book was made to handle. It was not only made to handle, it was made to live with. Here's my three-point message this morning. This word, examine it. It's to be examined. It is to be experienced. It is to be expressed. God, as we turn over the handles, I mean, grads, as we turn over the handles to you, don't throw the most precious gift away. For we have all gone to a lot of trouble to see that you know it. This word is truth. It is eternal. Keep it. Don't let anybody dissuade you about this book. We read Psalm 19, 7 through 11. I won't read it again. That was all about the word truth. I want to talk to you just a minute about the word self. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves, yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, graduates, if you know this book and you live by this book and this truth, it will help you conquer the, the tendency of the natural fallen humanity to control and direct yourself. Amen. I thought, I thought when I graduated, I had finally taken my last test. Anybody here got tired of tests? We just had test after test, and of course, you know, the finals and midterms, all that stuff. I, I just thought that when I got there, it'd be, then I had, I, I guess I forgot about this word college. Anybody ever have a test in college? And then I guess I forgot about the military. I guess I thought when I got out of the military, there'd be no more tests. But I want to declare to you, the truth is, there's a test every day. Every day's a test. And Paul said, during that living, I want you to examine yourself, test yourself. It means keep a, keep a measure on your life and about yourself. One of the greatest things you will ever know in your life. I said it to someone on this platform this morning. I don't care what you accomplish. I don't care what you're worth financially. I don't care what you attain as notoriety. It does not matter the position you become in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, graduates, you will never get beyond your level of discipline. Discipline of self. Discipline of soul and spirit because the enemy will come with circumstance, situations, with all kinds of emotions, with, with a blinded concept of reason. That's why the scripture says, do not lean to your own understanding. This thing called governance of self comes through disciplines. Thought I had all the tests I want. I looked at some tests, listen to this. High school students, they're famous, and we've all been one, you are now. They're famous for the way they answer some test questions sometimes. Like, listen to these, these are true, this, this, these were happening. 
from a science exam, seniors, here's the question and the answers. Listen to this. Define H2O and CO2. And the answer was H2O is hot water and CO2 is cold water. I just, I just want to tell you, you might not get it all through high school. You may need to go on a little bit. Here's the question. What is the difference between oxygen and hydrogen? If you don't know, oxygen is spelled O-X-Y-G-E-N. And the answer, listen, let me give it to you. What is the difference between oxygen and hydrogen? The answer is oxygen, O-X-Y-G-I-N, is pure G-I-N. Oxygen is pure gin, hydrogen is gin and water. <laughs> Come on, at your expense, grads, I'm just having fun. Here's a question, what are the four seasons? The answer is the four seasons are salt, pepper, mustard, and vinegar. <laughs> I just want you to know there's a difference in seasons and seasonings. Here's a question. What is the main cause of dust? And the answer is the main cause of dust is janitors. <laughs> and that may be more true than not. Here's one question. Des describe the spinal column. This is classic. The answer is, the spinal column is a long bunch of bones. The head sits on top and you sit on the bottom. <laughs> Tell me life doesn't have some fun in it. It's amazing. It's, it's just the minds that God has given us are capable of things we haven't yet imagined. But I want to tell you, tests can be tough. I'll never forget my ordination test years ago. Wow, I, it took me, I think, almost five hours. It, it, was, it was a long test. But tests are how we try to measure what we know and how we try to measure what we become. Graduates, I want you to go forward. I want you to progress. I want you to thrive and succeed. Be more than we have been. Accomplish more than we have accomplished. But in all your success and in all your journey, do not allow self to cause you to forget where you came from. A mother and a father scrimped and saved and put their son through college. They sat in the crowd at the generation, at the graduation. The parents watched their son cross the platform received the diploma, moved the tassel. When their young son walked off the platform to go to, to the aisle where he had been sitting, he went all the way back to where his parents sat. He put his arms around their neck, handed them the diploma and said, Mom, Dad, here, you're the ones that earned this. You owe a debt to your mom and dad. The fifth commandment says, honor your mother and father. We are in a world 
flooded, inundated, consumed with self. Humankind has declared today many of them themselves as gods. And yes, there are many, many things about the human being that is a marvelous and wonderful creation. We are God's masterpiece. But listen to me, grads. Listen to me online. I don't care if you're five or you're 105. If self ever ascends to the throne of your life, we become destitute. Paul said, examine yourself. Keep a balance, a self-worth. Keep a balance against an arrogant pride. I want to tell you something. Cockiness and arrogance is ugly. But I want to tell you something. Confidence is handsome and pretty. Big difference. Check up on yourself. Test yourself. Keep yourself in the faith. Paul said, Jesus said it like this. You take up your cross every day. That means death to self. And when you do, God puts life in your spirit. Just want to say in closing, graduates, today we're handing you the handles. We're proud to hand you the handles. You'll go do everything by yourself now. I want to just caution you, watch yourself. Examine yourself. Make sure you stay true to this eternal book. Make sure you say, stay true to your raising. Keep yourself by principle, by, dis by discipline, by choice. Keep yourself in Christ. Keep yourself in the church. Keep yourself in the Word. Keep yourself in a relationship with God. Test your heart. Test your motives. Test your attitudes. Above all, keep yourself in the love of God. I have a son driving home from Austin today after eight, nine, seven, eight days working in the state capitol where there's a lot of selfishness going on. I texted him earlier this morning on the road, yes. And I said, I'll be glad when you're, and I've learned to do these little emoji things or whatever they are, it's a little house. And I said, we'll be glad when you are and there's a little house. And he pushed back, thumbs up. Listen, I don't care how old you get. Graduates, I don't care how old you get. You are our sons and daughters. You are our babies. 20 years from now, if the Lord tarries and you have children, you're not going to believe how you're going to find out then because you love then how much we love now. academic education may may not continue after high school but if you know the truth if you know this truth you'll be free from the dark ignorance of self-destruction that fills so many around us and dominates our world so take the handles Take the handles. Follow your example. I want to see every one of you at the kingdom. Look at me. Will you promise me today, Pastor, when we get to heaven, I'll be there.
Will you promise me that? I'm going to be there. Let's do it. <laughs> Your parents here, run to them right quick. Your parents are here, go to them right quick. I think most of them are. Something's going to happen in a few days. More than likely, if you're going to be going off to college in some distant place, you're going to get in a car or an airplane and you're going to leave that living room and that kitchen and that bedroom that you've been in for years. And the minute you do, suddenly that house is quiet as far as your part. And it'll change. And it'll never be the same. That's the cross pull that's in us. We want it but we don't want it. We want it, but we don't want it. I was looking at Carolyn this morning. That baby walked up. I mean, this young lady walked up here today, and it's a great time and fun. Carolyn's over just a ball in squalling like she is right now. <laughs> There's such mixed emotions. My sons drove off. I still see their cars. To, my, my wife's always teasing me. She, I stand in the yard. I, I watch them till I can't see them. Every time, if it's parking lot lights at night or whatever, I see them till I can't see them. You know why? Because my heart's traveling wherever those taillights are going. <laughs> and maybe know what I'm saying. That's how God feels about every one of us. If you're here this morning, you don't know this Lord. He loves you beyond your comprehension. If you're online this morning and you've been running from the Lord, it's time to find Him as a heavenly father that loves you without condition.